la 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 this week in smart go with your host fat kev smith hey everybody it's fat kev smith trustworthy kev smith here letting you know about some happenings in the world of smart go hipping you to the happenings this week in smart co uh right now you can go to hulu.com and check out the brand new episode of the smart co show spoilers man uh we see rock of ages this week and we talk to robert rodriguez it's a good time ralph's on there as professor cartoonius we drop another hollywood babylon cartoon on you oh it's mary check it out man go to hulu.com slash spoilers check out all three episodes we've done so far uh since it's a new week you know that means new jane bob get old on wednesday of course New Babylon on uh, Monday, and that's uh, Ralph and guest host David Keckner. And for both of those shows, there's some clips. If you want to watch them, go to YouTube slash CSMOD. That's our SIT, SMODCO Internet Television Channel. And uh, you can watch clips of uh, ba- a bit of Babel, me and Ralph sitting there talking about Thor. And you can watch clips from Jane, Silent Bob, Get Old, and me and Mr. Jason Muse. Uh, it's a new week, so there's a brand new Fat Man on Batman, which is a podcast that Smodco dropped a couple weeks ago. Tearing up the charts, number one on iTunes and whatnot. Everyone seems very, very pleased with it. Uh, part two of our interview with the People's Joker, Mark Hamill, is on this episode. If you've never heard Mark Hamill interviewed, my God, it is oral delight. A-U-R-A-L, man. He tickles the ear pussy in a big, bad way. Just finds your clitoris and gives you an eargasm. That's what we do at Smodco. We'd make talk sexy. July 14th, looking ahead. You going to San Diego Comic-Con? You better be, man. And while you're there, go to Hall H on Saturday night for my annual Q&A. That's right. I'm going to stand up there and tell you a bunch of stuff, tell you about Smartcade, tell you about the TV shows, tell you about Hit Somebody, tell you about some comics we got coming. Lots of announcements going on. You'll want to be there when it happens. July 14th, that's the Saturday of Comic-Con weekend. Hall H Q&A, as per usual, me at the end of the night, cussing my fool fucking head off. But then, here's a little bit different, run across the street right after that, man. Get your fat ass uh, to the House of Blues because me and Ralph are doing Comic-Con Babylon, man, for the second year in a row. 11 p.m. show, it's late night, going to be sexy. Tickets available at csmod.com. Speaking of me and Ralph and being sexy and being out of our Los Angeles uh, home base, we're going to Ottawa, man. The Hollywood Babylon Canadian premiere and my personal uh, auto, Ottawa premiere in Canada's uh, nation's capital. Me and Ralph going to be at the Centerpoint Theater doing Ottawa Babylon on August 25th. Uh, go to csmod.com for tickets. Me and Scott Mosier, a week before that, we're going to be doing live smodcasts in Portland. Portland, Oregon, man, not Portland, Maine. Don't get your hopes up there, Maine. Uh, Portland, Oregon at the Aladdin, August 17th. Tickets available at csmod.com. But if you're like, hey, I don't want to pay for any of this shit. I like my shit from Smodcast free. Well, guess what? You can go to the YouTube channel, YouTube slash csmod. Fall down the rabbit hole at SIT, man. Smodco Internet Television. And when you're driving and you're not stoned, put us in your ear pussy. Let us tickle your ear pussy, man. Hard with our eargasmic music. Uh, Smodco Internet Radio, man. Sir is uh, there for you at all times. Uh, don't forget to watch uh, spoilers this week on Hulu, and we'll have more information about more shows coming. In fact, uh, the comic book man season two starts shooting very soon. People get ready. There you go, man. That's this week in Smodco. I'm Kevin Smith. Now on with the show.
what I'm all about. More green, the swamp thing. I'm gonna play and geek out. I love bags and boards because I'm a fucking dork. I like bags and boards because I'm a fucking dork. I like bags and boards because I'm a fucking dork. My comic book collection gives me an erection. What? And as you might be able to hear by the sound of Jimmy Moore, welcome to Bagged and Boarded. I'm Matt Cohen, as joined by always. I fucked that sentence up, but it was so subtle that you might not have noticed, so I'll just keep rolling on. I didn't notice. Exactly. Who are you? Misty. What's up, Misty? Welcome. Not much. How you been? Good. Anything Anything exciting in your life? Uh, E3. Yeah. We both, it was exciting. We both went to E3. Ah! Oh, whatever. You were texting me like a little kid. You're like, this is the best place in the world. Hey, because I was insanely stoned. And that was in the first five minutes of walking in because there were like giant Sonic the Hedgehog. But then you found the second hall and you got all excited all over again. Because of the giant statues. However, uh, watching videos of video games, I could take a pass on. I'm good. You had a great time. Don't pretend. All right. I fucking loved it. Uh, That was E3. And um, now I have nothing to do in my life but podcast. So we're back. Comic-Con. I'm not going. Why not? I don't like it. Well, I'm going. Sorry to offend everyone. Misty's going. So I'm going to have fun. Go If you see her there, annoy her. Don't. Don't annoy her, but like, uh, come not. up and like tap her from behind and run away really quickly and like whisper That's shit. Normal. Be like, Matt Cohen was here. And just whisper. That's kind of creepy. And run. Uh, it's creepy or sexy. Creepier? Depending on the audience, creepier. Uh, so you have Comic-Con. I have nothing, but that's, you have com- nothing. <laughs> that's completely fine with me. You have some beers. I do it. That's you know what? You that's my something. own personal comic con. I'm gonna have a Hall H in my fridge. You there you go. A DC beer, a Marvel beer. Yeah, I have uh, superhero beers. Exactly. You don't want to go do the Walking Dead uh, course. Where's that? At Comic Con. I'm, I'm not going to Comic Con. So how am I gonna be that. able to do that? Well, you should go just to go do that. <laughs> how I don't have a badge or anything. You don't have to have a badge to do that. I'm not cool enough to get invited. You have to run from zombies. And everyone's invited. It's on the internet. You buy to go do it. The internet doesn't even like me, man. You should see my OkCupid inbox. Uh, welcome to Bag and Border. We're here to chat uh, with a good friend of ours today. It, it, it'll, it's an interesting episode. Here, I'll hook you in real quick. Though you may not have heard of the gentleman or his work before, you might want to after. Here's a quick teaser. The following man in his lifetime, and there's probably more things because I'm not, I'm not creepy like fucking other people in the room. I don't know everything creepy. about him. Uh... He is a uh, avid collector of film memorabilia and props, and has some like amazingly rare, super super cool, super valuable uh, props that you you definitely know of. He is a uh, professional pornographer and and works all the time. He also at one point in his life was a professional bootlegger, and was responsible for bringing a lot of films into this country back in the early '80s, I think. And uh, and that ended for some reason. And he's just a general good guy, ladies and gentlemen. Please welcome back and boarder, Mr. Jay Allen. Hey man, how you? What's doing? up, dude? Thanks for having me. No worries, man. Uh, so was that a pretty fair introduction? That's pretty fair. Yeah. Just be sure to hold the hold the mic like like Real a uh, yeah yeah yeah. Can I lick it? <laughs> See, dude, your, your expertise your expertise is coming yeah. in already. Yeah. Um. Is that what is that? Are those like the three major uh, bullet points of your life? You'd say I... porn, bootlegging. And co- and and prop collecting that covers the art pretty well, I think. Like that's those yeah. are all like first two minute conversation things, right? When you meet yeah. a new person, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And the elephant we- picture. Oh, the elephant. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've got a lot. I e- mean, explain the elephant picture to people who aren't you two. Well, <laughs> if I'm, you would, I'm first and foremost a photographer. You're a photographer. Excuse yeah. me, I forgot for mentioning yes. that. I apologize. Yeah. I make my living as a photographer, although I do direct adult films um, because that's where the market's gone. But I used to shoot for Penthouse. And I've even shot for a lot of 
geekdom stuff like sci-fi universe yeah like like give us some of the credits real quick man in terms of what what, what if you want to uh if, if, if you're at a fucking comic-con you want to show of, off to a geek humble chick brag. Man. yeah yeah humble oh, brag God, right i don't now. know uh well walking walking out of film school my first job was shooting mel gibson that was for uh, lethal weapon 3 i worked with a very talented photographer named Stephen vaughn well, and what do you mean when you say shot? You were doing. Uh, he, Stephen Vaughn was the uh, was the uh, still photographer, still photographer on, on that, and I came in and helped him, and uh, we shot the covers and and the poster for it. And uh, see, you say Mel, you you just gloss over Danny Glover like it wasn't no thing, man. Aww. It was Danny Glover and Joe Pesci were both very. See, cool. that's what I'm saying. Yeah, but you yeah. only mentioned Mel Gibson. Yeah. Danny Glover is an avid fan of this show. Is he, he was just he's an amazing he was guy waiting too. for this moment too. <laughs> Misty looked like she believed me for a minute. <laughs> I do. Danny Glover, Donald Glover, all the Glovers, the Grover, Glover anything that limes, rhymes or well, I mean, limes. Stranger Things have happened. Yes. If you're just going to make Sorry a, blank, for me trusting a blanket statement like that. that, Stranger Things have happened and Danny Glover being a fan of this podcast. You know what? I don't know, actually. I'm like, weird shit has happened, but that would be pretty fucking weird. It's a small world. It's In a my, small world. Danny Glover, if you're listening... Holler! I don't know. Fucking, Send us an email. Hit me up on OKCupid, dude. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you'll find I'll be the profile with no one looking at it. Um, you know, going from going from uh, my first experiences with Warner Brothers, I went and insisted Annie Leibovitz and got into the fashion. That's photography huge. World. So, yeah. so right. Uh, where did you grow? You grew up in California. No, you grew up in. Um, I'm from New York, New York. But I went to high school in Santa Barbara, you, and then I went to film school in Santa Barbara at Brooks Institute. Okay, so California. What would you? I, a it's a weird question because I always ask people where they're from, and half the people will say where they grew up, and half will say where they live now. Yeah, and I always go for the hippie sense of it. Like, where were your formative fucking years, man? Right, right. Yours would be California. Would be California. Okay. Um. So you grew up out here. Were you a big geek? Were you into comic books and sci-fi and I shit was, like that? I, you know, back then it wasn't popular to be into comic books and sci-fi and all that shit. I worked in a comic book store in Santa Barbara before I went to film school. Oh, did you really? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Andromeda Books. In Santa Give Barbara. a shout out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, Is I, it I, still I, open? It's long gone. Oh, okay. It's long gone. But a uh, very cool place to work. Uh, I hoarded comic books. Um, I, re- I remember buying a whole long box of The Dark Knight Returns number one when it came out as like an investment. Did you? Nice. Yeah. And then it was, of How course. How did that pay I, off for you? It, you know what? Because I was smart enough to dump them all like, the first year, I think you I made, made I think money. I made like five grand or something wow. because I was, because I, I was selling them for like 40 bucks a copy and I bought them wholesale for like, I think the cover price on that was like three ninety. And this or is pre internet too, right? Yeah. So where were you selling them? Yeah, Just yeah. to people and you knew? Yeah. Uh, selling to people that came in and also at, comic book shows coming out of oh, LA. Oh, you worked at the store, so you would just sell them from the... St- yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, right on, yeah, dude. Yeah, and I did a lot of horse trading and, you know... No, yeah, yeah. So you, so you had a uh, solid foundation in geekdom growing up, it I sounds did. like. I did. Stan Sakai used to come in all the time and draw artwork oh, for wow, me Oh, wow, get stuff. the fuck out yeah, of here. Yeah, That's so, huge. I'm a... I'm a I'm Sergio Aragones was local, so he was... It was like his local comic store. So oh, wow, he'd come dude. in, and, and he, like these guys would just come in and like pull up a card table and just like start drawing and hanging out. The bunny guy on my desk is a... Uh, a guy, Stan Sakai, created yeah. this character uh, named Usagi Ojimbo. Yeah. Who, like, I think that comic came out in 82. And I, I remember reading it as a young kid. I, st- I still kind of read it off and on today. So in terms of, like, comic books I've read my entire life that have still been coming out, that's definitely the longest one, I think. Wow. Yeah, 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 I love that shit, man. I, I would say 82 is probably about right, because that's about when I was working at that comic book store, too. That's awesome, man. Yeah. And Aragonis was doing Gru at that time, or yep. was working for yep. Mad? No, he, he was doing Gru. He was doing Gru. I have a bunch of Gru drawings at home. That's sweet, dude. So uh, when did you get the photography bug? 
Well, I fell into photography because I wanted to be a movie maker. So you went. And, so you went to high school. You were in love with comics and movies, and you went to film school. Yep. In Santa Barbara. Yep. Well, the thing was that Santa Barbara, the the school there was Brooks Institute, was like a small boutique school, and they had a motion picture department, but it was like I found out after going, starting to go to school, that their their department kind of sucked. But it was the best photography school in the world at the time. For actual photography, and it was like well, you're telling me about on. that, like very prestigious. Yeah. Like if you're a Brooks graduate yeah. from that time, people know. Most of my working professional competitors were all, all went to Brooks. That's funny, dude. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty wild. It's like that, Mike. What, what were they? Remember, I forget who put that article out. You might have read it, Misty. When they said, um, all like the the uh, computer fucking geniuses, like Bill Gates and Steve Jobs and all that, there was such a specific criteria that they had to do those creations in. And it was all like. A four-year time period when home PCs had just come out and were just affordable enough to fuck around right. with, and they were going it's... to colleges that had labs that put a shitload of money into it, but didn't have on-hand professors. So it was these kids with kind and of a, run around friend free with the exactly, amazing toys and access yeah. to like all these new amazing toys, but it was only at like three fucking colleges, and like everyone came out of them. It's crazy how shit happens. Yeah, like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's like a like cosmic convergence. Totally, dude. Yeah. Uh, so you went to film school. How was that as an experience? It was awesome. I mean, it was kind of. It was a very open curriculum. Like you basically, you had a class on Monday, and then you had a class on Friday. And Monday they said, "This is the this is the theme." It's and pretty you, fucking and open. You said, "Okay, I'm going to do this," and then you went and did it for the next four days, and then you came back on Friday, and they went, "Oh, you you, you aced that. That's, that's amazing. This is why it's amazing, or you suck because." You know, this this is stupid. Right? Was it a lot, was it a lot of hands on like shooting, filming camera stuff? And we had we, short films. We had sound stages. We had uh, photography studios. We did all our own printing and darkroom stuff. Wow, that's awesome! So, dude. And it started off. It started off like with theory and 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 like visual, watching Battleship like, Potemkin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and birth of a like that, and yeah, then yeah. and then moving into like actual practical stuff. That's, so college was a good experience. So it was a for great you. experience for me. Yeah, you had you liked college too. I right? liked college. Yeah, I'm the only one. Well, a I probably didn't go into it with the same mindset as you guys. The first college I went to, I I went to school visual arts, but because I was such a fucking stoner in high school, I like didn't have grades, so I went to like night classes, non matriculated. And it was right next to a bar, so I would get fucking trashed before every class. I think I made it like <laughs> two and a half weeks, and the only real vivid memory I have was passionately defending the Crispin Glover movie Willard to a room full of like snobby film adults, and it was a really <laughs> fucking weird moment. And then my second awesome. college was like, I'm going to go to Burlington, Vermont, because that's where Fish is from, which is never a good reason to go to college somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I went to some super hippie school with, where they were fucking, I'll give them a shout out even, Burlington College. They were incredibly cool and like understanding. However, I didn't I didn't do anything or get a single credit. Like they didn't have grades at that college. Right. They they right. had like a verbal evaluation. Right, gotcha. So like you would sit down and they'd be like, All right, let's discuss how you grew as a person this semester. I, see. I couldn't even fucking do that shit, man. I wound up working at a Starbucks. So that was my academic career. However, I did flirt at one point during a uh early life crisis, I guess you could say, I did really want to go to school to be an archaeologist. I convinced right, yeah. myself I could be Indiana Jones, and then I realized it takes, like, fucking 20 years of college, and, like, you have to write thesis papers. A There's a lot of science. So, yeah. thank God Kevin Smith started smoking weed. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> uh, so, that was my college experience, but you had a good time with it. Yeah, dude. I mean, it, it, I wouldn't even call it a college experience, really, because it's just a bunch of, like, crazy filmmaker, photographer guys trying to make cool shit. Sounds more like you know? an art, like an artist uh, compound or whatever they call it. Yeah, fa- like the factory, you it, know it what really I mean? It really kind of yeah, was. Yeah. I mean, it was, an, it was in an old converted uh, 
Santa Barbara house up in the hills where's where the school was and the labs were all down in the basements of and stuff. It was a very cool, like cool vibe. There. That's awesome, dude. Yeah. So uh, you graduated from that. Now, did you uh, that? Did you switch to photography while at? at I that never school? actually graduated at that time. I've since gotten my diploma from them, but I actually left early. I I, I got offered a job at Playboy as an intern, and out of college during during during, college. during while I was still in there. How did that happen? Well, you kind of start you. you you kind of like connect with certain teachers and they kind of like spot certain talent or, or non-talent with some of the kids and, and they'll like you look like and, you like naked girls yeah, you do <laughs> like, like, yeah well you know i was the guy that would like take they would say let's shoot shoot some beer cans you know like we want to do like a focus test on beer cans and i'd have some like half naked girl in the background they'd be like why is there a girl in the picture so like, your, ac- car, your like, access to half naked girls kind of pisses me off <laughs> like in, for, oh, no, you mean mo- like all naked girls for, not even no, just halfway just naked for a, girls. for a college fucking project like fuck you dude like <laughs> oh yeah well it's this project where i had sex with this like you know what i mean my college projects were me in like a monkey mask trying to do some monty python shit which you didn't ask well, see, see, I, see, I figured out very early no, on we're getting naked i figured out very early on that the they whole still have yet to starving artist thing really works with chicks that was that was my whole that was my angle. Early on. I'm fucking skinny as shit. You'd think there'd be a line at the door, man. Fuck that. <laughs> I don't know if podcaster qualifies as artist though. So uh, maybe hack. Uh, art. <laughs> um. So, uh, Playboy. Now, when they offered you a job at Playboy, I, I mean, obviously it was were, a shitty job. You were a full blooded American male. You'd read Playboy, right? But had you ever considered? Shooting? Well, you already said you were doing projects with nudes and shit. My dream at that time was to be a Playboy photographer. Was that really? was my dream halfway into film school. Well, so while going to school to be in mainstream filmmaking, you decided yeah. that your dream, the dream well, was I to shoot naked my major. for Playboy. It's, it was a four-year college, and I switched my major at the end of the first year to, st- to still photography. Photo illustration, I think they called it. Because I just realized that their, their motion picture program was kind of crappy. And, and I was starting to enjoy the photography aspect of it. So well, I shifted my focus 100% to stills at that point. Was there ever, like, did you always know when it was going to be stills that it would be nudes? Or was there ever, a, was there a t- no. deciding period of, like, every artist, I think, tries to find their own thing? You know what I mean? I, to be honest, I just wanted to be able to make money doing something cool. And that was just taking pictures. I didn't care if it was milk cartons or dog food, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. <laughs> but my dream was a, as a as a kid, as a fantasy, was to be a Playboy photographer because I just thought women are amazing and beautiful, and the lighting and just being able to work with the the pretty girls and all that was was very See, appealing. This is where our paths diverged. My dream was to be a fucking Muppet, which I don't even <laughs> think is physically possible. So I don't know. I mean, I can, cool, I can keep though. dreaming. It, I'm close, right? It could be possible, but it, I think it would be uncomfortable. I'm close. Um. So you got a job with Playboy in during college? Did you start interning? I there? turned down the internship. You turned down the internship. Yeah. Okay. I turned it down because there was a, there was a woman there named uh, Marilyn Gabrowski who was kind of like she like ran the production. She ran the studios, and she was she was like uh, she was just a bitch. She was like a, just an <laughs> evil bitch. And uh, I'm she wrong. had like flying and, uh, monkey. You know, yeah. she's a big listener too. Her and Danny Glover have listening yeah, parties. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Well, watch yeah. it. Well, she's probably smiling hearing that she's a bitch because she knows it. Um, oh my god! Yeah, she was just evil. Her and, and Danny are like weird turned on right now because she <laughs> likes being called a bitch. So she's giving them a little like old fashioned under the table. Nice, right. <laughs> there you go, man. Um. Yeah. So I so I decided. A bunch of people told me it was a bad move because it, it sounded good on paper, but it would have just been a nightmare. I wish would have been like Slave Boy in the studio. To a bunch of naked girls. Yeah, that doesn't sound like <laughs> yeah, the yeah, worst yeah, slave yeah, boy yeah, position yeah, in the yeah. world, to tell you the truth. 
I went. I went. I came. To, I came to LA instead and, and worked for a food photographer. That's so where I saying, ended up. That's way better. I mean, that does sound kind of fucking cool. <laughs> so, uh, so instead of uh, going to the Playboy route, you came to LA from from Santa Barbara and started working for a food photographer. Yeah, I did. I did. I did the. I did the internship uh, with Leibowitz. Right. Leibowitz. How did that go? Uh, it was cool. I mean, she shot in L.A. all the time. She was based out of New York. Probably still is. Was she tough? And, 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 uh, she's a strange one. She's a strange one. I mean, she's always seemed like it. She's she's very hard on her assistants. They would tell me stories about being like like being stranded in the desert for three nights overnight. Like she'd fly off in a helicopter to like deal with some crisis and leave them with a tent in the desert. Shit like that. That's scary. Well, I mean, it's it's the vibe she always gives off, and it's crazy fucking art, like insanely she's, talented. She's insanely talented. She's insanely talented, and it's and it's interesting because you know, I've learned over the years there's so many different types of photographers, and she's not a photographer's photographer. She's does she, she know leaves, lenses and all that shit, she, or not, not really, right? Not really. She, you know, she just <coughs> her guys set up everything, tells them what they want, the look they want, lets them do it. So what does she you do? Know? Well, her whole thing is she has a great eye. And she she's able to really psychologically get into the heads of her subjects, which is what it takes to do that type of celebrity portraiture. You're dealing with really creative, interesting people, and you want to capture that. And that's also just a weird discussion about art in general, because like people like even Banksy, uh, who I who I think is insanely talented, yeah, yeah. but he, the, the debate is on how much actual physical work he does himself, and does it matter? It, yeah, is it, it the person it who really assembles? Is the person is it the person who assembles the art, or is it the person who actually puts paint to to fucking canvas? You know what I mean? Right. So I don't know. Leibowitz has like a fucking crew coming in to set it up. She's still the one directing the the shot. She's, ultimately, right? She's, she's making it. She's the one that's making it happen. Right. On. And 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 whatever ends up in fucking Vanity Fair is what she chose to be there. So yeah, I mean it's it's all her. Also, I, she was I, at the first though. You know, I mean Watchmen. So I'm happy about that. Oh yeah. She was in Watchmen, not the real one. There was a, a parody version of her. Oh really? Yeah. yeah. Okay. She was taking pictures of Ozymandias. <laughs> you can go jerk off now, geeks. I know you were pinching it. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. yeah. We have a thing where they're not allowed to come until I make a Watchmen reference. So, ladies too. Um, how did the food photography go? The food photography was very cool. It was very technical. Was it high end, like food porn? Insanely shit? high end, like well lit, like a piece of fucking broccoli. We yeah. had we had people that were making like five thousand dollars a day that were stylists coming in with like blow torches and stuff. We were shooting steaks, and they'd come in and like burn the edges with a blow torch and use irons and. Do they use like hairspray and stuff too. You, you can't use hairspray because you have you can't use anything that's non edible. Really, on wow. the food, and you can't use anything that's not actually in the product that they're selling. Because I know fast food uses non edible shit. No, I mean they they have to use like ketchup. Really? Yeah, yeah. Oh wow! They can, they, they can use too. they can use like glycerin. There's a couple of things they can use to like make it shiny and stuff. I remember in the past hearing like the sesame seeds were glued on to the burgers and like McDonald's commercials and shit and like you know what I they, mean. They are, but yeah, they have to use like a food based. Okay, I see yeah, what you mean. Yeah, 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 it, yeah, can't, yeah. it can't oh, be yeah. like plastic fucking food or whatever. Exactly, they can't use like super glue to like glue, glue them on. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You can't eat there's that. A, there's very specific rules, right? <laughs> but it's very hard to make food look good because food is not very appetizing. Like if your can of spinach is just not appetizing is a pile of spinach you know you have to like treat it's it and finesse. bend it yeah, it's, yeah, finesse. Absolutely. it's finesse yeah and we, we our big thing was ice cream and we shot a lot of ice cream and we shot for Baskin Robbins in fact we did all their campaigns that's probably and that, interesting finding out like the temperature before it melts and shit like that yeah we had like, to use a lot of dry ice and we we would have stand-ins. We would have like people that would sculpt like the, the those that, that those curves in the ice yeah, cream yeah. and shit. Yeah, it was crazy. That's awesome, dude. It was crazy. So how long did the food photography gig last? I was at the food photography uh, studio for I want to say six months. I want to say six months. The guy. Let me, let me put it this way: the guy that was uh, my boss, the the, the photographer's name is Dan Wolf. 
was so successful that he had a helipad on the roof and he had wow. two Learjets. And I don't know what that is. did he have a helicopter? Yeah, and he had oh, okay. a helicopter that because it would be kind of yeah. useless if he had a helipad yeah, 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 and two yeah. Learjets. You're like, homie, I got the fucking yeah. Well, he would fly his helicopter from to the, the studio jets. to the to the to Van Nuys to fly his jets. Yeah, That's he awesome. was extremely successful. A lot of money in that. Got that food money, yo. So after uh, shooting for him, what what was the next move for you in terms of career? While I was working for uh, Dan Wolf, um, a photographer that I had met at school, Stephen Hicks, who did shoot naked women, contacted me. And said, "Hey, you know, I'm looking for somebody part time to come in and help me, like, get my office and stuff together." He had had some problems with his people, and it was just him. It was him in his studio, and he had a magazine, or what was he, it? He was the head photographer for Penthouse at the time. Okay, so he was shooting yeah. content for for Penthouse, yeah. basically. And in this, you know, to put it in context, most people are listening to this probably younger than you and me, but. Back then, penthouse. Uh, I'm pretty fucking young, dude. I don't know about that. Yeah, that's true. Um, that's full of life. That's no, not no, true. No, no, we've already talked I'm about like it. I'm like 80% through my life. Left of your life. I had a weird realization in the shower well, one day that I was having. Well, was Penthouse a life. big part of your life when it was a huge no. magazine? Yeah. No. Because for, for, Play, it was it was already. I mean, magazines weren't even really a huge part of my life. Exactly. Right? That, you didn't have Nickelodeon magazines. And that's my point. Well, Nickelodeon and Disney Adventures, of course, and highlights um, don't do what that the asshole does or whatever. It's like one kid like eats dinner and the other one fucking stabs his mom and the throat with the plate you know what i'm talking about no those cartoons where one kid was good and one was bad never mind someone <laughs> listening knows what i'm talking about and they are having a laugh riot <laughs> um so the but penthouse was a big deal back then i mean millions of people read it every month and like there was a there was a girl that was uh there was big scandals happening and there's people getting paid millions of i dollars think to be I, I i definitely like read penthouses and shit but i think when I was coming up, Penthouse was was maybe too dirty for me. There was mm. pissing and shit in it, which yeah, always that was, that was that was the kind of the there was always pissing, yeah. which was you know what I mean. And it was like full on spread shots and shit. Well, they came into a stage where um, their sales started to decline a little bit, and they thought that the direction that they should go would be to start having all the peeing and all that stuff in it. And that was actually a very narrow uh, time period. That when they started the doing peeing, that. yeah, probably yeah. Like, like what, like ninety six or something. I want to say like ninety four to ninety six. Yeah, that would make sense. I was like eleven it's a good or twelve. Year for peeing. Yeah, yeah. 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 Good year for, oh, great year for peeing. And that was near the end of Bob Guccione's reign. So I didn't know. I didn't know Guccione ever didn't have it. I thought he was still was the owner. No, uh, it's it's been sold off now to a consortium of construction people. Oh, who? Yeah, uh, really? Yeah, a bunch of construction guys that made a bunch of ton of money bought it, and they're like, you know, semi-retired like golfer guys. That's funny, dude. And they yeah. just own the magazine, and they own it, and then they bought Adult Friend Finder, the website, which, which yeah, is a website, which is like MySpace or whatever. Yeah, yeah. it's a good, yeah, it's like an online sex dating site. It's like what OkCupid is for, but people pretend that it's not. Oh, exactly what? for sending messages out and never getting never yeah, getting responses like, back. Take all the sounds you know, awesome. Leaving all the test off and everything, and just pictures and like I just want to have sex. That's what Adult Friend Finder is. Nice. Are you saying that you don't have like hundreds of girls a week uh, like we all do? Oh, oh of course, dude. I don't, I don't get Cupid. Yeah. My inbo- I, it crashes my computer three times I get a day. All kinds of hot bitches. My my computer literally is is sizzling right now from the amount. Of, no, I've never gotten a fucking single inbox response. That's in my not life. true. I've gotten like two. We have discussed. One was from like a 16-year-old. Have like you put 16. up the pictures that I took of you on your uh, OkCupid profile? I, I, I deleted my OkCupid profile out of disgust <laughs> with myself and the internet. Uh, one time a girl responded to me. I believe she was 18. And within about two 
It was amazing. Parlays back and forth. The conversation turned to what your favorite animal was, and she said she likes ducks and snails. And I was like, I'm going to go to jail. Wow. So I stopped. Then that we started one. going, is she really 18? And it said she was finishing uh, high school. <laughs> yeah, I'm whatever. You so, have to card her for sure. Yeah. So my uh, online uh, career didn't go that well. But uh, uh, so you started shooting for this guy, Stephen Hicks, who was shooting... Picture for Penthouse. Yeah, he was shooting pictures for Penthouse, and uh, his business was expanding at that moment. And it, so I kind of got in the ground floor of, of kind of the renovation of his company. He was a successful photographer already, but he... Always, always clearly, uh, new girl women and stuff? Or? Yeah, that's all he shot girl was women. Girl women. Girl women, you yeah. know. <laughs> he was one of, he was probably one of uh, a dozen photographers worldwide that was shooting women like that. Okay. Yeah. So, so you started working for him, and how did that go? How did the transition from food to fucking naked chicks peeing go? That was, to put it in context... And that, what did they do with the pee? Did someone have to clean it? Like, was there a guy assigned to clean the pee up in between well, takes? <laughs> I didn't see any of the actual pee shoots. Okay. We didn't do any of that. We, Steven was known as, like, the tamest of all the photographers of that group. And I was really, like, when I first started working for him, I was just, like, the office guy. I just, like, you know... Helped him with billing and handling his client stuff. Then I started assisting, and then I started spending more time in the studio. But that was over several years. That was over several years. And did you like it immediately? Well, I mean, there was. I was married. Let's go with. Let's okay. go with that. I was married, but there was tons of beautiful women all around all the time. And my wife liked girls, so it was it was a good thing. <laughs> so we had we had cute girls running around everywhere. I was still pretty young at that time, so yeah, it was it was a, it was a it was a good time to be. You know, we have Jenna Jameson sleeping on the couch and. Cute girls run around naked in the backyard every day. How is that different from food, from shooting food photography? <laughs> it's slightly different. You don't want a hot slab of ahi tuna sleeping on the couch? <laughs> um, so so you were working for this dude, and then eventually you started transitioning to uh, behind the camera? Out of the office and behind the camera, as it were. Yeah, I started, I started shooting for him under his banner and under his company. And you know I had all the contacts then within the whole industry. And this was still before the internet. Now, was there ever? I mean, since you, I mean, it sounds like you've always been pretty fucking cool with that aspect of the photography thing. But was there ever a, a, a transition or like a learning period of like, how do I, how do I, a, how do I shoot naked women like good? Like, how do right. I take you know quality pictures? B, how do I like restrain myself in front of them? How do I, how do I handle myself? Is there a creep factor? Like, it just seems like a, uh, you know what I mean? So different yeah. than most things that anyone's ever done. I was lucky because, because I was married and I was very faithful to my wife at the time. I was, uh, I wasn't really like, I didn't really want to fuck these girls. It was more like just, I just admired the beauty and that was why I wanted to get into photography anyway. And I was working with probably the best photographer in the world that shot naked women. So I, I really learned a lot from Steven and uh, he really kind of showed me the way. So, so, was, so there was never like a creepiness to it. It was more like it was just hanging around with beautiful girls all the time and, and having fun with it. And You've you never know. felt like lecherous as it were? No, no. No, because I, I draw a very specific line when I'm working and it just seems like work. You yeah, know? yeah, that's cool. But I mean, there was, there was certainly many occasions when the models would hit on me or my wife and that was a different story. You know, that whatever happened after hours, what was different, you know, but, no, yeah, yeah. but I never felt creepy Food about it because they were porn. like, yeah, you know, <laughs> um, so at, let's take a transition away from photography for a minute. Yeah. At what point, uh, did you take a second stab at the film industry as it were? <laughs> well, when I was, when I was shooting for Steven, I started making money. And so I, I, I started, I started getting obsessed with laser discs and Laserdisc was like... So this was like 1986 to 1991? Yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> it had yeah, to have been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I, and Laserdiscs were really fucking expensive. They were like $80 or something, Like right? starting. 
You know, it's like the aliens box set was like 149, I think, or something. And they like were also bigger than LPs. Yeah, they were. F- have you ever seen a laserdisc, Misty? No, they Never were seen a fucking. No, I they were the size of a CD. They were massive. If like if I could get retail back for my laserdisc collection, we could be cruising in a nice Ferrari right you now. You know how many people I yeah. know have like fucking a hundred thousand dollar laserdisc yeah. collections? Like, wow, really? And, yeah. But because they went crazy, it was the well, first. It, it was the only thing. It was the only way a movie buff could actually buy the movie the way it was projected yes. in the theater. It was the only th- way you could get a letterbox movie. Was there, to buy so VHS wasn't really an option for movie geeks back then. And these yeah, were these were yeah. high higher definition remastered sound. They had they had bonus features on laser discs, which VHSs did not have. They were the precursor they to DVDs. That, that whole bonus feature thing, which is really they cool. put the trailer on. They put VHS documentaries after the, the credits having bonus. They would have like the HBO make of or whatever yeah. a lot of the time yeah right, yeah right but um that was even later with the vhs's though they started doing that to compete with right exactly laser because, discs. because they saw the success with the laser discs yeah and they fucking melted yeah they got yeah, like they, warped like the, they could get fucked up they get really they fucked were nice up shiny and silver they're like they're like chrome plated records they were cool they were like giant records like, yeah. that you put i still in. have all mine that's because, awesome because what are you gonna do with them you know like oh, i spent 150 dollars on this what am i gonna do yeah you know Make an art installation out of it. I met a lot of cool people in the movie business. Like Van Ling was this really cool cat that I met who worked for James Cameron. And he was one of the big pioneers. He did the Aliens box set and he did the Abyss box set and some of the best ones where he did See, these like crazy documentaries. And he like actually went out and they filmed them. Hold on. That's ah, right. someone didn't turn their phone off. No, it's not my phone. And also that's when your family calls. It's Lisa, Lisa whatever her last name was. What was their last name? On uh, Laura, Laura hmm. I told Winslow. You, I didn't really care much for Laura her. Winslow because you're racist. Um, so, <laughs> so you made a shit ton of money, and uh, maybe not a shit ton, but you made I'm, some. I was making good money, so I started buying up lasers. So you became a laserdisc collector, and through the, that, you kind of met other collectors and, and film buffs. Yeah, yeah. There was like there was like because it was before the internet still again, so we had like newsletters and things like that. And I started uh, I started hanging out with uh, these guys that ran um, the Shrine comic book show okay auditorium. yeah yeah which yeah. still exists uh, yeah i believe actually that last month might have actually been the last one oh, really? rumor has it but that's yeah. sad man where is yeah. where's Lori petty gonna sign tank girl posters uh, right? i know right uh-huh. H- oh, literally that's so she's true. a she's a weirdo at cons she's a weirdo really? period yeah yeah oh yeah. dude i get well Lori petty's a fucking i've seen her be cra- she's a crazy person She's that's kind of person. exciting and fitting. Well, that's kind of fun with all the cons because you know we'd go to all the Star Trek cons, we'd go to the Babylon Five cons. You just that's you'd what realize I mean, that some of these people was, were like whack jobs, right? But, but you were so. in, in the early days of collecting too. It sounds like so, yeah, so doing StarCon and all that. I uh, this is when I started. Uh, I buy buying laser discs and movie props because what was the first movie prop you'd ever bought? Battlestar Galactica cubits from the uh, first from the series, fr- obviously. Original set, because unless you had a time machine, yeah, yeah, no, no, that ain't 70s, working out, is it? From the 76, 77 series. Uh, yeah. What was it? A cubit? Cubits. They were like the gold money that the okay. pilots tra- tra- traded in. Right on, dude. Yeah, yeah. And how much? Do you remember how much you paid for it? Five bucks, I think. Yeah. And you were instantly fucking hooked. And I was just like, "This is so cool." Did you put it in a display well, case? One of the guy, yeah, one of the guys that uh, was a regular that had it basically was specialized in anime, which was like just beginning to become popular then. He had that. He had a. He was his company was called Super Collector, and he had a friend at Paramount Pictures, and they had a secret room in their office that was had like Kirk's chair in it, no. and it had like all the like Star Trek motion picture like spacesuits in it, and like the gravity boots, and they had like phasers and tricorders. In, in terms of now, just, I, just I was, crazy shit. I was never a huge Star Trek fan until recently. The JJ movie, I actually hated Star Trek, but I've I've become mm-hmm. a fan of the TOS. 
And just from uh, from doing a podcast called Team Jack, we have on a lot of collectors and shit. It seems like Star Trek memorabilia, and especially original series, and especially Kirk hero stuff, is by far the most valuable entertainment memorabilia stuff, right? Uh, I wouldn't say it's the most valuable, but I'd say as a whole, it's the most valuable. That's but the it Star also, Trek. It, the whole property. Star Trek thing kind of started the whole prop collecting. And that, they were all the, the first... guys that were into it all were all into sci-fi that started collecting movie props, and that, so that was the first thing. I, I heard famously that uh, maybe it wasn't Star Trek. Fox did an alien auction or something that like yeah like, in, in England and you know about this yeah, in yeah. England that yeah. was like the first big like movie studio was going to empty out their warehouse. And Dave sell. Mandel tell you about that? Uh, it wasn't Dave Mandel. <laughs> a little a little smod shout out to Dave Mandel who who your buddies with right? Yeah, who's who's yeah. also a collector. He is a big collector. I've yeah. heard. He's I, got some of those aliens things from that auction. He's that got some. Auction. He's got some things I've heard that that like. One of them I would murder all of you listeners for, and he's got like 80 of them, so I wouldn't really murder you guys. I'd murder you with kindness. He's got some cool stuff. He's got. Can we can we give some hints of what he's got? Well, Is his collection public at all or no? No, I don't think it's public at all. I mean, he has some really marquee He's got some amazing, he's pieces, got yeah. like some, some of the most iconic fucking like yeah. geek movie props of all time. He's got some stuff from Star Wars, the first movie. No, yeah, yeah, Things yeah, like yeah. that, yeah. All right, we'll leave it at that. But uh, so, so, but through collecting, you so you, you got into it, you bought your first yeah, BSG, and that stuff BSG was cheap. coin. That stuff was cheap back then because people didn't collect movie props. And the studios were like, this is junk that's in our fucking storage. They didn't you know? know. There was no value yeah. for it. So yeah, what right? happened was there was a lot of young guys like in their 20s that were going to like Universal and saying, hey, I know you got all that Battlestar Galactica stuff. Um, I, I want to be your archivist. I'll... I'll sign a paper with you saying I'm your archivist, and I'll take the whole collection off your hands, and we'll give you like five grand for it, and we'll come over in some pickup trucks and take it. And they're like, "Really? That'd be awesome. We it, need that space." It was you just know? wasting so, fucking space, right? So they'd load yeah. up all the, these Cylons and you know props and, and take them away, and then these, these guys had them in their houses, and then they'd start selling them, that, and trading how, them. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. Did you ever have a movie prop, Misty? Um, no, I can't really say I did. My mom had a video store, so we had a bunch of like posters and, and standees and, and shit like, like little that standing things yeah and uh i remember i got um a business card that said i was a pet detective nice oh so you used to get like the the, yeah, the, the little uh, things that came to like when i worked yeah. at blockbuster i used to get those and there's yeah. a guy who owned a record store next door and i would trade them for cds and yeah shit. yeah yeah no they're uh they're my you get like pins and had the music store we would always do that stuff. that's funny man yeah, yeah yeah and then um yeah no i think i remember my favorite thing we had was this little pop-up thingy for they live and then if you moved it, his Ray-Bans oh, were... Oh, how old that. were you? I remember that. This was like a little mom pop place. I, I mean, know, but how... 90, they Live was like, what, 91? One of the best movies ever. Yeah, yeah but, but, but They Live was, 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 was released on video much later than when it came out in theaters. Oh, was it really? Yeah, oh, it was I did one of those hold, hold off ones. Oh, okay. yeah. Early, early mid-90s. Okay, right on. Because I, I think the movie might even be earlier than 91. It might be like 89 be, or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that movie. I don't think I ever even saw it theatrically. I think I only saw it when it came out on Yeah, I love that fucking movie. It's so good. everyone still got the best one-on-one hand-to-hand combat fight of all time. Yeah. Yeah. My favorite part is at the end when the chick is riding the the dude and then the satellite goes out and he turns into the zombie face and she screams and he's like, what's the matter, baby? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Classic. Carpenter, dude. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, so BSG coin, what was the next prop after that? I don't remember what the next prop was specifically, but I started really getting into... Um, I was hanging out on Next Gen. I was hanging out on the sets of Next Gen. Once dude, that's- 
once I started filming. Okay, from and I, again, I wasn't a Star Trek fan until recently, and I've never still, I've still yet to see Next Gen. But from everything I know, just from being a geek, that show sounds like the biggest like open door. Like we're just making a Star Trek show. Like if anyone wants to work on it or make a costume or be <laughs> in it or write a script or just come fucking hang out and direct an episode, whatever, man. We don't give a shit. It it really sucked in a lot of like the creative types to like say hey you know let's do some cool funky makeup let's do some cool like you know they're on a different planet every week so it's like they they were very thirsty for like new, new costumes and yeah, yeah they needed new costumes and new props that all look different all the time misty they literally on star trek next generation like mm-hmm. you could write a script for an episode send it to them and they would use it but that's what happened in the episode of Mad Men. Remember? What do you mean? Someone wrote uh, a. Sc- well, it takes place at the time when the, the time when people do that. Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I thought you meant someone wrote a, f- a fan wrote an episode of Mad Men and they put no, it on no, TV. No, no, it was like an episode of Mad oh, Men. Okay, they yeah, were yeah. Doing that. No, you're right, dude. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Uh, so what was okay? So what was the first big one you remember buying? That you spent too much money on, even or like a questionable, or where you realized well, you were in too deep, not too deep, but you I, were in it. It wasn't one thing. It was a bunch of things. I went in and bought most of the Back to the Future stuff. What do you mean? Hoverboards, uh, the clock, save the clock tower yeah, flyers. Yeah, how excited the, uh, the, I'm uh, tearing up. The uh, Mr. Fusion parts off the engine for the uh, DeLorean. What? You know, <laughs> pit, the Pitbull boards, the uh, Mattel boards, the uh, Ooh La La magazine, the Gray Sports Almanac graphs. Um, what else did we get? The pizza, the, the pizza things from the second movie. Yeah, yeah. And the, uh, the Pepsi. Free things, uh, the bottles because they have futuristic bottles for uh, for Pepsi. Um, what did the you phone book? Yeah, the, the, the phone book page from uh, Doc Brown's address. Did you really? You, yeah. you had the almanac too, or the still do? What still do? Yeah, <laughs> still do. Um, do you have the hoverboard still? No, I sold all. I kept. I kept the very best Hero Mattel board, the one that I could actually hold up and go, see that scratch? That's right there on the screen, you know? But um, eventually, the problem for me was that I was still a young guy. I didn't own a house. I was making okay money, but I wasn't getting rich. And all of a sudden, I had these things that were worth $5,000 here, $6,000 there. They became literally too valuable for me to possess. You And, and I've learned this about most collectors, too. And, I, and I've learned that maybe I'm a fucking hoarder or have shades of it. But like most collectors sell parts of their collections off periodically. Like They purge them to get new shit or even just... Yeah. Most people don't ever hold on to everything. Like There's certain things, like you said, the yeah. phone book... Excuse me, the, uh, the almanac you still have. Like, there's right. certain things people would never sell in a million years. Right, exactly. But most things, after a while, and it's like collecting anything, it's that initial fucking endorphin rush of like, I want it, I want it, I want it. Oh my God, it's fucking mine. You put it on the shelf. Yeah. You walk by it like 10 times. Plus, it's for, the thrill of the chase, too. Exactly. It, it was all chase shit. For a week, it might be the coolest thing ever. And then a couple of weeks later, it's just another thing. In yeah. your house or on your wall, it's you know, like what porn I mean? stars. You know, it's just like eventually, it's just another thing. Exactly on on your shelf on my ca- house. on my yeah. shelf slash couch. Exactly. Ha 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 ha! We're judging you, export. I'm sorry. Aww. Um. Oh. So after uh, Back to the Future, I have only I have never. Um. Let me think of film props. When I was like 11, we went to Disney World with camp, and MGM had a tiny prop store. Oh really? 
Uh, and I, I bought, that. and I didn't have that much money on me, but I wanted to buy something because I was compulsive back then too. So I bought a bottle of Pepto Bismol from Howard Stern's Private Parts. Oh, cool! But there was yeah. no, there was no fucking proof that it wasn't just any bottle of Pepto right, Bismol. Right, right, right. I don't know what happened to it over the years. Like it was just a, there used to there be was a, a store like that in downtown Disney for a while that was like really that. the same it thing. Like, it was probably the same exact could have been or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of stuff was framed or boxed really. No, nice. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, but then uh, there's never really been. I mean, shit. I've been to I've been to the Prop Works how um Prop Works mm-hmm. uh, uh, auction house. I've been to um. You've been over to Profiles in History. Profiles, excuse me. Pro- yep. Oh my god, dude. They like they. Yeah, I know those guys really well. All the Winston shit. Like I walked in there and they missed you. Like I had to go drop some stuff off for Ke- uh, View Askew. Kevin Smith did an auction through them. Through oh, both of them actually. And the that. first Profiles one, I went to go drop off some stuff, and they had like a full fucking T Rex from Jurassic Park. Oh wow! And oh, like yeah. oh, and yeah. like. T2000s and like the full exoskeleton and the single and like I don't even like the movie but if I could have any prop of all time they had Teddy from AI oh wow with like half his face torn away with the metal robotics and wiring visible and it was the single coolest thing I've ever seen in my fucking life that's awesome that's awesome yeah Yeah. like there's shit like that like I I got into um uh, original animation a little bit and I buy like you know I buy some rare comic books and stuff like Mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. but I can't really think of a movie like a, obviously everyone wants a fucking like a blaster from Star Wars or, sure, or you sure, know what I mean sure. or um the phone booth from fucking Bill and Ted or some right, crazy right, shit like that right, right. but I can't think of something that I would that I would you can't think of what your holy grail would be no right you know what it might be the holy grail from Indiana Jones and the Legend yeah. of the Holy Grail and the Last Crusade now that you mention it <laughs> it might be that fucking easy right. I like that movie my holy yeah. grail would be I'll uh, show you mine Thor. then when you come over to my would storage. be Thor the, per- Thor the person Thor yeah if I could collect Thor <laughs> yeah. that would be the best thing ever uh, what if what if we're not into human trafficking what, what movie prop would you want Loki's helmet really hmm. I don't know out of I, any I, movie I, I, I get really Thor out of your brain Thor. yeah yeah it's like Thor's seriously though out clothes. of any because I know you're a big horror movie buff and, and like you grew up in a fucking movie store out of sure. all your favorite movies what prop would you want See, from I've never any been movie a prop person I don't know would you want uh, the Necronomicon from Evil Dead like uh, no I'd want the guitar from Slumber Party Massacre too alright or the tube of lipstick from Night of the Demons too. You can probably get both of them on eBay for like five dollars. You had Greg Nicotero on your show, right? Uh, we were going to uh, on Jack's show. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, it didn't happen yet, but yeah. Yeah, he he and I did a few quite a bit of prop trading back in the day too. Really? Yeah, K and B was one of my stops. Oh wow, yeah. very cool. Yeah, movie. I knew a bunch of guys that worked there. Dealt with Greg a few times. Greg has a huge collection as well. He's he a, does. He's, right? a total he's a huge, geek. huge yeah. fucking a, prop collector. Yeah, yeah. What's your holy grail, man? In terms of collecting, do you now you still collect? I'm not an avid collector anymore. You know, I, I'm like trying to collect a nice house at this point. What, yeah. <laughs> what, are, what, are, what are the best props you've had in your in your collecting history? Um, I know my favorite of yours. I don't even know the fucking honestly. blood suit from. Uh, Oh, the Dracula. Bram Stoker's Dracula. Dracula. Yeah. That's that's definitely one of my favorites. Yeah, the hero uh, suit, right? Yeah, yeah. Folks, so if a, you know uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula, the Francis Ford Coppola flick, when. Uh, they they cut back to the past and it's Gary Oldman like leading the armies and shit. He's got that like crimson red, like a muscle, almost suit. metal looking muscle exoskeleton yeah. suit. You have very that de- very yeah, demonic yeah. looking yeah, yeah. horns and everything. Yeah, you had that. Yeah, asshole. What yeah. else did you have? I had that for years. Yeah. Years. Give us some other highlights of the of the collection. Um, boy, I a lot of next gen stuff. I still do actually. A ton of ton of next gen stuff. You have any tribbles? 
I have a triple. Nice. I do have a triple actually. TOS or next. It's man? it's it's a it's actually a triple that they made for the triple episode they did on Deep Space Nine. It's not okay. one of the it's not one of the original series right on, ones. Yeah, yeah. But it is an actual real triple from Very the cool. show. Do you have yeah. a? Uh, um, and I've got phasers and tricorders. I was going to ask. Do you have tricorders yeah. and shit like that? I've got quite a few of uh, the uh, L cars panels, which are really cool for displaying. That's awesome, dude. Yeah, so they're 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 fun geek stuff. A- any other cool things you had in your collection that you want to brag about? You know, I haven't even seen my collection in like three years. It's all in storage. Oh shit! So Do you even like, remember what? Yeah, you I'm have? like I'm like like reaching back. You could have the Maltese Falcon from. Yeah, Dumb and Dumber. No, I don't even know if there was a Maltese Falcon in it, but I don't want to go the obvious. There is a couple of Maltese Falcons out there. There are. Those are like the holy grail of prop collecting. And I know one dude made like an insane fucking cast of one. Yep. Like there's there's a there's, per- there's perfect castings of it out there's there. There's a perfect yeah. casting of it that you yeah. can get. Like even the casting is really hard to get at your hand. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've read up on yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. There's Star Trek props out there now that cost thousands of dollars that were made by fans back in like wow. that. You remember Starlog magazine? Yeah, absolutely. There was like a couple guys that used to sell like handmade phasers out of Starlog, and, and those they, are now and those are worth like thousands That's of dollars. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, dude, proton pack, boom. There's, Pro- oh, yeah, there's yeah. my fucking prop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would never take it off either. No. Oh, I want to be a Ghostbuster. Um, so. You were uh, big into the prop game and the collecting game. At what point did you decide to spread your film wings a little bit further, even and and helps? When did you <laughs> well, did, when did you get philanthropic with it and to start to help bring small foreign films that would never see the light of day? Into, like hard boiled, into a, yeah, tiny little t- and, tiny yeah. little art films like John Woo's Hard Boiled. Well, the cool thing about the Shrine Auditorium and those comic book shows, you know, I, I did lots of comic book shows and I would go to lots of comic book shows and I'd start start to. Like, Becoming a dealer at those shows, Be- uh, crack it, th- right? Yeah, dealing crack. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, well, kind of was crack because it was movies. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Right. Yeah. Uh, that was like a an epicenter. Like the guys that would hang out at those shows are the guys that started New Line. It, it's uh, you know, uh, Quentin Tarantino, oh, Nicolas yeah, Cage. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio was like a regular. <laughs> yeah, Nicholas. Ridiculous Cage. But but <laughs> there there was so many guys there. There like. I met so many people that like went on to like become head of like Sony Columbia TriStar Home Video and shit like that who were just like fans and and like collectors and stuff and through my kind of laser disc collecting and stuff I started I started really getting into foreign and Hong Kong films which at I, that I, time was just kind of blowing nobody, up Nobody nobody was really into them like anime was like just starting like people were starting to realize who like Miyazaki and stuff were but no one was no one was like Maybe watching like yet. like like people had heard of Jackie Chan maybe what but year, that was like it what year are we talking uh, this had to be like early '90s. I'm trying to think of even yeah, like maybe Totoro had come out, uh, Akira and Ghost there was, in the there Shell. There was like there cause was because this was still before the internet, and there was uh, there was like there was a local pizza place I remember in Santa Barbara that had like an anime like once once a month they'd have like upstairs at the pizza place they'd have, they'd show like uh, you know on a little TV That's awesome, they'd show, dude. yeah yeah, yeah. And, then, and then there was actually like a big movement of like fan subtitling stuff and it was like a oh. laborious process because they had to get like. A uh, 16 millimeter print of it, and then get have that transferred to VHS, and then lose like a like a I think the Commodore 64 or the Amiga was like the computer for like subtitles really? movies. Wow. Yeah, yeah, it was the Amiga was like the big thing. See, I don't it, remember the boom happening. I remember I think it was 1994 or five, maybe the MTV Movie Awards. They gave Jackie Chan a Lifetime Achievement Award, and no one in this country had heard of him yet. Right, right. And at the end of that, he was like, go see Rumble in the Bronx. He could hardly say it. 
And Rumble in the Bronx was the first breakout. Yes, and I was going to say I, that yeah. was the I saw that I saw every I saw the first like eight Jackie Chan movies in theaters, but I saw Rumble in the Bronx in theaters. And I remember vividly uh, this a family friend took me like so my parents obviously wanted to get rid of us for a little bit, so a family friend took me and my little brother like out to a mall or something, and we could buy anything. And my, I forget what my brother bought, but I bought a VHS of Rumble in the Bronx. <laughs> right. And I watched it like a thousand fucking times. Yeah, yeah. And what was even better, it was dubbed over and dubbed over really, really badly. Of course. If you remember, do you ever see Rumble in the Bronx? Yeah. A, not the Bronx. Not the fucking Bronx no, no, whatsoever. No, no not no, at all. Nothing to, no, in no way the Bronx. Nope. Like vistas of like fucking ocean shots and shit. <laughs> You're like, like, what the fuck? Also, his little brother, the little kid in the wheelchair... I don't remember if uh, there was a crippled kid, and he was dubbed over by the single worst voice actor of all time. And I'll never forget the exact line: Jackie Chan walks in the house, and the kid like grimaces and goes, "You never even go to the park with me anymore." <laughs> oh my god! Rumble that's in the terrible. fucking Bronx. Yeah, but so that's when it all started, though. And I remember, yeah. and then Jet Li came in with uh, Lethal Weapon Four. Yep. And then, you know, when I got a little bit older, I discovered, like, fucking Chow Yun-Fat and, like, the, the kill, uh, and Hard Boiled and the Killers yep. and all that kind of stuff. Yep. But it was all around that exact time. Now, you were there before that, though. Yeah, this was all before Rumble in the Bronx. Rumble in the Bronx was, like, right at the tail end of when I started my video career. But basically, what I would do is uh, there was a Laserdisc store that had import Laserdiscs out in the valley and, uh, or out in the... I like how you already got quieter when you're telling the story. Like, <laughs> oh, it it's all illicit and shit. Yeah, crazy. yeah. Yeah, it was a crazy time because I would go in there and it was like the candy store because they'd have all these movies. I didn't know what they were, but they'd have like really cool artwork on them and these, and they're laser discs. So, like, a hundred bucks. So, it's kind of a risk, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I would have like these little Asian guys would come tell me, oh, you got to get this and this. And so, I get some hints on what to get. And so only little ones, only little ones. Okay. Yeah. The big ones were like, like yeah, you didn't you, trust dude. the big yeah, ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, never trust a big Asian guy. But, we we started off with I think um, John Woo stuff was what was really like people wanted to watch. And what was the the, the first the first thing I got from John Woo was one of the later movies that he made, which is Hard Boiled. And people which was went, like the fifth or sixth movie or something. I think yeah, probably about about that. And it was with Chow Yun Fat, and people went just ape shit. I yeah, love to this, so, so, so have you seen Hard Boiled? No. Oh, to this day, it's one of the top ten action films of all time. Like so, before, fucking Raid Redemption came out, Hard Boiled might have been the best shoot 'em up. Like fucking the, the cool thing. It's Gun Ballet. It's if it was the first one that was really that. So it's yeah. Chow Yun Fat, classical music, slow motion, sliding, bird th- sli- sliding through like a pile of flour, completely being coated in white, still sliding while doves are flying behind him with two guns shooting out and like box playing in the back. It, it is, is beautiful. beautiful. It is beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. Yeah. 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 Uh, and I'm sure that. 90% of the people that are listening to this podcast know exactly, oh, totally. what visualize exactly yeah, that yeah, yeah. shot. Yeah. The thing is, it, no one had ever seen anything like that before, and it was way better than anything America was making. And we, we actually cut together trailers. We'd cut together, like, highlight reels of, like, you know, The Killer and, and Hard Boiled. And I'd just, like, put in a loop and play it. And I would literally have, like, 30 people deep at my table. And by, I think, the fourth month, what basically we were bootlegging the Laserdisc. We'd take the Laserdisc, and I had like 16 VHS machines stocked with VHS now, tapes. It was legal for them import, to import the Laserdisc in the first place? I think so, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you were. Bu- and, and these movies weren't even technically copyrighted in America. I see what you're you know, saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But they were, the only way you could get them was these $100 unlabeled fucking laser discs that no one knew about. They weren't selling at The Wiz or Sam yeah. or Ash or whatever the fuck you bought your laser no, discs. No, exactly. And so the, you guys started copying them. Yeah, and, and, and the thing was, the quality was outstanding. And the beauty of it was that in Hong Kong, they're required by law to put English subtitles on everything because it was a British colony at the time. 
Uh, so you didn't even have the subtitle. So we didn't even have the subtitle. And also, there is no and letterbox, co- and there is no copyright law in China. No, none. No, none and whatsoever. No, and there was no copy protection on Laserdiscs. Either. Yeah. So we would literally just line them up. And oh, there was them. literally no copy protection on no. them either. You could just no. fucking just dupe, pop it in the machine them and right away and hit yeah, record. Yeah. Boom, boom, boom. You know. So we started, and and we we were like really focused on quality because I was because we we did it for the love of it. We were movie buffs. You know, we wanted to just spread the word and make money. But you know. It was. It, I was still working for Stephen Hicks for shoot, shooting, so this was really just like a weekend hobby. So during the day, so during the week, you'd shoot. You'd shoot. Uh, would you? Would you call it porn? I don't call it porn. I mean, we at the time I was shooting solo naked girl stuff. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Right you on. Know. So you we didn't sh- shoot. We didn't shoot anything ever with guys involved at all. It was just that. Ca- that just came later. In your, that, just, that that came in the last year of my career. Oh really? Yeah. Is that just only just, in the last year of you ever shot hardcore? Year. Okay. Yeah. So uh, during the week you're shooting photography, and then on the weekends you're fucking buying uh, Hong, Kong, Hong Kong laser and, yeah, discs yeah. and copying them. How are you distributing them at the tables at the at the shows? Yeah, I would get. I started off with one eight foot table, and then we expanded it to to three. So and you we were just, doing well. We, we would we roll in with milk crates. We'd roll in with like thirty milk crates and leave with like two. How long did this last for? Years, really? Years, because we. Labeled everything really nice. We we always quality checked everything. We would we would sell like it was like one tape for twenty and it was like three for fifty or something. Everybody would go take three. Now mostly Hong Kong action flicks. Mostly Hong Kong action flicks. We had a few like things that were like weird weird like unreleased rough cuts of weird stuff. Yeah, yeah like well the classic and, and like some horror films and like Hammer films and stuff. I think the classic is the only bootleg I've ever bought in my life was uh, Star Wars Holiday Special. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Have you ever seen that, Misty? No. We are going to watch that. <laughs> it's awesome. Immediately after. It's awesome. There is a 12-minute sequence with Chewie and his family that's not subtitled, and it's in fucking Wookiee. So it's just people going, for fucking 12 minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, and yeah. there's like, B. Arthur comes and sings a what? song. It's amazing. Oh, it's yeah. like a hacky variety I'm special. Sold. George Lucas burnt it. They never released it on DVD. Like, these are all copied a off the original. A good copy has recently come up. I saw yeah. that. Yeah. Oh. And the cool thing about it is, like, the, the real Star Wars geeky uh, rel- relevance is that it, there was a Boba Fett cartoon, and this came out between Empire and Jedi. So Boba Fett got introduced in the holiday special before he did... Excuse oh, wow. me, before Hope, A New Hope and Empire. So, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. So it was Boba Fett's yeah, first appearance. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, in the world of the internet, that industry is dead. Yeah, absolutely. There's no absolutely. more... I mean... Because you just download whatever... You can get it whatever yeah, you want to download now. I remember now. getting uh, music bootlegged a lot before you could do MP3s and downloading stuff. What do you mean? Like uh, live performances, people would record. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, people oh, yeah, had like well, cassette tapes and would sell, you know, like, totally. like, I mean, like Van Halen a, concerts or whatever. Or just stuff they left in the studio, anything. Even being a, being a fish fan, even when CDs were out, like the majority of, before digital, there was really, ne- no one really ever traded CDs. So even in the late 90s into like the year 2000, we were still trading tapes yeah, of like cassettes. fish shows. Yeah, yeah. yeah and you'd copy them yourself it. and make your own set list and like do a yeah. little original artwork on the case maybe. Yep. Like I had hundreds of fucking cassette tapes. Yeah, yeah. It, and it was really a bitch in the year 2000 to try to go out and find a good cassette player. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it was also, it was hard to make the artwork, too, because like you didn't have like computers and printers and all yeah, that so stuff. Yeah, so we had to go to like a copy shop. Yeah, we went to a copy shop and like that had like a really expensive color copier. It was like three bucks uh, a sheet or something. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So was, after a couple of years, you've been making decent money on this, I'm assuming, right? On the bootlegging on the side? Or? I, I, I mean, I was making decent money. I mean, it was more of a, a labor of love. A hobby, than and a, it was a hobby. It, it was a hobby that, that actually made money. And we were selling. I mean, we were selling a lot of stuff. Now, through that, yeah. did you ever get to meet any of the the? We had a lot of we had a lot of celebrity type people 
that would buy stuff from us regularly. Quentin Tarantino was one of my really? regular customer. Yeah. In fact, we we would even get copies of his movies imported like on laser discs like pulp fiction and stuff and sell back to him he'd are you serious he would yeah. come by yeah he'd be like oh yeah let me, let me buy all these you know oh that's awesome dude. yeah um and then did you d- didn't you get to meet i mean i might be fucking stoned i definitely am stoned uh chayun fat and like john woo didn't you say you i did i did i met chayun fat and john woo and uh jackie chan actually wow just through just through selling yeah through bootlegging yeah, the yeah. movies well one of one of the guys <laughs> One of the guys that I was selling to was a, was an executive at Sony. Okay, and he introduced me to Chow Yun Fat, and through Chow I met wow. John Woo, and they actually thanked me for bringing their movies to America, helping bring them to America. That's awesome, dude. Because we were one of the instrumental people, definitely, in bringing a lot of, uh, especially Chow Yun Fat. Totally, stuff and I'm sure from your copies, more copies were made, and so on and I so had, forth. I had competitors at on my show floor that would show up the next month with copies of the stuff that they'd bought off of me. That's all funny, the dude. time. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, yeah. that was what it was like. That's just what it was. You know, it was the fucking yeah. wild west. Yeah, yeah. So, at what fun, point did you stop doing uh, that? I got a knock on my door by some men in suits and dark glasses with earpieces. That Will told Smith me, and Tommy Lee. Yeah, yeah, those two, and they they basically said I needed to stop doing. They're like, that. come with us. We need you to save the world again. <laughs> Men in black four, random dude. So so That's yeah, that was, that was the end of my. Uh... So immediately closed up shop. Yeah, I just said okay, fine, you know, right on. And b- back that. to the photography you went right. Yep, exactly. Um, what? How did that uh, part of your career progress? Photography. At what point did you start doing stuff on your own? Once I worked for Steven for about nine years. Once I uh, once I reached a certain point with him, it, I just I had the ability and the time and the, the connections to do it on my own. So I branched off in two thousand and, and, and still yeah. think uh, nude still erotic yeah. or whatever. Yeah, I I, I I I dabbled in a lot of mainstream stuff and I still do sometimes. Well, yeah, tell us about some of the mainstream stuff you do. Uh, lot a lot of movie posters, n- nothing like super cool. A lot of like independent films and stuff, and uh, you know. Curb your enthusiasm and because they, I mean, you you help say your friend. What did you do on Curb? Uh, Curb actually, they they came to me and they said that we want to do an episode. We it was it was the seventh season, so it was a couple of years ago, and they wanted to do the uh, Seinfeld reunion okay. storyline. Yeah, yeah. And my friend Dave, who's one of the writers and directors on the show, suggested to them that they do an episode revolving around some of my nude photos, and have it like as a distraction element for Kramer. Because like Kramer's gonna be looking at the picture and basically agree to anything, so we, we we came up with some ideas and then we printed up a bunch of gallery prints and used that as a as a thematic element of one of the episodes. That oh, was that's awesome! And that made it into the show, right? Yeah, and that made yeah, it into yeah. the show. Oh, that's yeah. awesome, dude! So, what what kind of stuff are you looking to get? Are you looking to do more mainstream stuff? Like, what's the ultimate goal? Because you're still a young man. Yeah, my ultimate goal actually is probably direct films. Really? Yeah, which was my original goal back when I first started photography school. And you're transitioning more into that lately, right? Yeah, I mean, I've directed some music videos and... And even your adult work, like uh, we were out at a, at, a, at, a, at a bar one night and you were showing me, uh, <laughs> I mean, fucking penetration on an iPad, but but you've been shooting like... Cr- you, we shoot really very, very high quality. What, what, is there a link anywhere could see, do you know Do you know anywhere a quick way people can see some of those super high quality ones yeah well the the site that just launched that we're involved with heavily is babes.com okay babes. so if you go to babes.com and you can see some yep. of jay's stuff yep because um 
Dude, hey, there's never. I mean, I've never seen porn. It's like extremely in my life. high quality stuff. It's insanely fucking high quality. Yeah. It's it looks it looks like you're watching a Terrence Malick movie. We shoot everything cinematically, like with real cinema cameras. Yeah, and, it, and, and and tracking shots and yeah, shit dollies, and dollies. And really yeah. high end lighting, and we don't have any acting in our films. We don't. So, so there's no cheesy factor. There's no like. There's no plumbing that needs to be fixed. <laughs> Everyone's plumbing goes on the fritz eventually, right. dude. No there's no pizza guy. No pizza guys. <laughs> Look exactly. at you two fucking jumping in there. Uh, <laughs> Pepperonis and slice. I didn't order a sausage. Um, so that's great, dude. So that's that's the ultimate goal is to is to direct films. Yeah, definitely. We're I've got an art book that's coming out next year. Oh wow! And once I get that out, it's a year, it's already a year late getting out because I've just been distracted. Are you? Gonna, I, I'm sorry. Go no, ahead. Let me no, go ahead. Are you going to keep? Would you like? Would you always like to keep shooting adult on the side? Do you enjoy it still? Well, I do a lot of for for my own fun, for my hobby. I shoot a lot of fine art nudes, so it's all that's that's what the book is. It's all just it's still naked girls, but it's not pornography at all. It's just beautiful black and white pictures of girls yeah, yeah, yeah. sitting in DeLoreans naked, things like that. That works. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, where can people can? Is there anywhere people can see your photography online? Like, yeah. Well, if they want to see my black and white stuff, it's jallenart.com, and Allen is spelled A L L A N. So it's that's J- annoying. It, it confuses okay. everybody, but. It, Keeps me uh, unique on the internet. No, yeah, good. Yeah. So yeah, jallenart.com and then jallen.com has some of my regular adult stuff. No, that's awesome, dude. Yeah. And if you look at the uh, logo of this very podcast, you will see some Jay Allen photography because Jay was nice enough to shoot me and Misty. That's right. So like any of our logos were shot by Jay for the most part, right? This is true. On uh, Matt and Misty Have No Friends and soon to be coming on Smodcast Internet Television Brains with Misty and Matt. That's going to be fun. It's gonna be awesome times. Really, dude. just a brain. It's mine. It's just we, we share a brain. Mess there. I'm, I happen to be there. No wait. Can you be the brain in my stomach, like in turtles? Mm-hmm. Krang. You want me yeah. to be Krang? Be Krang. Okay. Can we? We need to like carve a hole out of your stomach though for that. That's fun. We don't have a green screen. Like it's. No, I don't. I want to do DIY. I want it yeah. to be real. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, I will live inside your stomach. Mm. Okay. When's that coming? That'll be next week when I move in your stomach. Uh, no, we're gonna shoot it this week, and, and hopefully, uh, the first episode will come out next week, and then. Cool. Every week after that, but we're psyched about that. Um, anything else exciting going on for you, dude? You heading up to Comic Con? Definitely, I always go to Comic Con. Yeah, what are you, it's a good any, time. Anything you're planning on? Anything you're excited to see? I'm just gonna. I just meander around. I see have a lot of friends and artists that come in from out of town that I only see once a year, so they'll all be there. Good shit. Hang with Misty a little bit. We're gonna have super fun times again. Super fun times. Yeah. You guys can come back. Might take, and tell might me take all Danny about with me down there. Right drag on. her down there. Danny Jensen, who was a guest. Oh, I know. I've been trying to get her to come on this show two weeks ago. So it's all in the family. Yo. Misty, what do you have uh, uh, coming up? Um, before Comic Con. Before Comic Con. Anything? And not so much before. This will be out on Saturday, the twenty no. third. Uh, Sugar DVD will be doing another party now that details coming, and then I'll be doing Machinima stream. Of live coverage on uh, things as they come out at Comic Con and what I think about them. Right on, and, uh, and then I'm gonna dress up. And where can where can folks find all your fun stuff online? Me or Jay? Uh, let's take a pick. Either my yeah. dog Muddy. You got a you got a Geo City well, I mean, thing. He didn't drop his Twitter. That's why I wasn't sure if he was. You got an here. Angel Fire helmet. Didn't even think about Twitter. I know uh, you got to no, pump your Twitter. Okay. That's well, why yeah. I stopped it. Well, okay, we'll go Jay first. Jay, uh, hey dude, thank you for fucking. Yeah, it's my pleasure. With us, it's fun. That was awesome, man. Yeah, yeah, uh, cool. You've had definitely led an interesting life, to say the least. And I uh, come back and speak with us soon, for sure. When you've done some more fun shit. If anybody wants to check out my Twitter, since yeah, absolutely, give up. us it's so fine. so it's jallen dot com. Yep, jallen art art dot com. Right, and the Twitter and the Twitter's jallenphoto dot com. A l a n a l l a 
Yes, A L L A N. Two L's, guys. Two L's. Yes. J Allen. It's Twitter is at J Allen Photo. Correct. All right, cool. And yep. I'll, I will tweet Jay out. And, uh, and he's just an all around nice guy. If you see him in the neighborhood, give him, give him, a, <laughs> right give him a hug. Give him a high five at Comic Con. Give him a high five at Comic Con. He'll, be, he'll be wearing a Matt Cohen shirt. Yes. They both. And are. I am at Meow Misty Dawn. And my website is meowmistydawn.com. And my YouTube is Misty Dawn. Sweet. It's and, easy. And again. And that's Misty with an I. Oh, yeah, that's true. M I S T I. Yeah, mm-hmm. man. This ain't no other fucking. This ain't no Y. This isn't a sometimes why situation, guys. Yes, <laughs> why sometimes, but not in this. But not this case. Not, this not in this why. case. You uh, and you can look for me and Misty's new show on Smodcast Internet Television on YouTube at uh, CSmod, or just go to smodco.tv, and that'll be called Brains. We don't know the day it's coming out yet, but uh, it's going to involve decapitations and bats. And people living in stomachs. With spikes in them. And stomach people. No. Bats with nuts on them. N- nuts on them. Bat- see, we'll but that, explain. You're on a podcast. People are thinking crazy thoughts. Uh-oh, you might just have to tune in and see what she means. <laughs> um, and as always, you can check the show out on Saturdays at smodcast.com and iTunes. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Cameltoad. Uh, go to, uh, like I said, sit. We got stuff. We got shit for you on sit every day. So go to uh, smodcode.tv. That's about it, gang. What did we learn today? We learned that... You're going to live in my stomach. I'm going to live in Missy's stomach. On that note, I'm Matt Cohen. It's been Bagged and Boarded. It's been real what? Bagged and Boarded. You watch lots of movies, get mad ladies, smoke mad doobies Bet and boarded, it's the way in life Tell your friends, tell your moms, tell your hoe, tell your wife Coming at you on a weekly basis Kicking up pod for your sexy faces Who's the two free kids you want to bone? In the secret podcast bunker all alone On the internet, we be the top crooks We got issues and we owe me funny books Homie Jimmy Moore and the dinos are chilling Me and JR, we got the top villain Sit down, relax, and yo, and take a seat Get ready for the top podcast, you all agree Others spit loud, but I can spit faster I'm Mac and I'm the Jew master. I got everything you could possibly want in it. An hour of us in the Brento minute. I'm a little laid back and he's making the maniacal. We just talking shit. Who said the show was viable? Walking in the door, smoking that Jimmy Moore. You're listening from Alabama, all the way to Singapore. We're just two weeks and that's the topic of discussion. Eddie's on the slopes, on the green, on nothing. Quick stop and I turn to storming like a typhoon. It's not right, it's wrong. It's taking lots of bones. It's reaching every show, everyone celebrates. Cause we got comics, movies, and a little penetration. I regret every episode as soon as it's recorded. Cause I'm down to earth and that is out of orbit. We're not quite. Right, our thoughts are distorted, so now we present to you another bag of boards. Bagged and boarded, 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 bagged and boarded. Yeah! This has been a production of Smodco Internet Radio. Prepare to be smotivated by Smodcast.com's guru of gab, Kevin Smith. Pick up his new book, Tough Shit Life Advice from a Fat Lazy Slob Who Did Good. Available now in hardcover, enhanced, digital, and audiobook. Learn who inspired Kev and be inspired to follow your dreams. It's like a Tony Robbins seminar on steroids and with a lot more fucking profanity. Neil Gaiman says, I suspect at that Kevin Smith is what all gods and demons aspire to be. And Tim Burton says, I certainly would never read anything written by Kevin Smith. Pick up Tough Shit, Life Advice from a Fat Lazy Slob Who Did Good by Kevin Smith. Available every goddamn where. 
love movies? What a goddamn goinky-dink. So does Kevin Smith. Want to be on his weekly geekly talk show, Spoilers on Hulu? Kev is looking for people to watch this summer's big screen blockbusters, then sashay down to the Smodco Studios at Universal City Walk in Hollywood and talk about them. Sign up for the studio audience waiting list at smodcast.com slash spoilers. Do it! Do it now! <laughs> Smodco needs to put asses in seats for Dark Knight, Spidey, Total Recall, and more. Smodcast.com slash spoilers.